Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we're going to read chapters 52 to 55, and in the previous episode, we read chapters 50 to 51, and we continue to learn more about Leo and Calypso's relationship as they stay together on the island. Calypso being confused as to why Leo isn't going back, and slowly realizing at the end that Calypso doesn't exactly love Leo, so there's a reason why that may be a potential reason why he's not being able to get that raft that he's able to use to escape the island. So now we're going to see what exactly happens is Calypso and Leo and I are now going to work together to get Leo out of the island after Gaia's surprise appearance. So now we're going to read chapter 52, Leo. Leo thought he'd been busy before. When Calypso set her mind to something, she was a machine. Within a day, she'd gathered enough, suppli- enough supplies for a week-long voyage. Food, flasks of, flasks of water, herbal medicines from her garden. She wove a sail big enough for a small yacht and made enough rope for all the rigging. She got so much done that by the second day, she asked Leo if he needed any help with his own project. He looked up from the circuit board that was slowly coming together. If I didn't know any better, I'd think you were anxious to get rid of me. That's a bonus, she admitted. She was dressed for work in a pair of jeans and a grubby white t-shirt. When he asked her about the wardrobe change, she claimed she had realized how practical these clothes were after making some for Leo. In the blue jeans, she didn't look much like a goddess. Her t-shirt was covered with grass and dirt stains like she just run through a swirling gaia. Her feet were bare, her cinnamon toast hair was tied back, which made her almond eyes look even larger and more startling. Her hands were calloused and blistered from working with rope. Looking at her, Leo felt a tugging in his stomach that he couldn't quite explain. So? She prompted. So... What? She nodded at the circuitry. So can I help? How's it coming? Oh, uh, I'm good here, I guess. If I can wire this thing up to the boat, I should be able to navigate back to the world. Now all you need is a boat. He tried to read her expression. He wasn't sure if she was annoyed that he was still there or wistful that she wasn't leaving too. Then he looked at all the supplies she'd stacked up, easily enough for two people for several days. (sighs) What Gaia said, he hesitated, about you getting off this island. Would you want to try it? She scowled. What do you mean? Well, I'm not saying it would be fun having you along, always complaining and glaring at me and stuff, but I suppose I could stand it if you wanted to try. Her expression softened just a little. How noble, she muttered. But no, Leo, if I tried coming with you, your tiny chance of escape would be no chance at all. The gods have placed ancient magic on this island to keep me here. A hero can leave, I cannot. The most important thing is getting you free so you can stop Gaia. Not that I care what happens to you, she added quickly. But the world's fate is at stake. Why would you care about that, he asked. I mean, after being away from the world for so long. She arched her eyebrows, as if surprised that he'd asked a sensible question. I suppose I don't like being told what to do, by Gaia or anyone else. As much as I hate the gods, sometimes, over the past three millennia, I've come to see that they're better than the Titans. They're definitely better than the Giants, at least the gods kept in touch. Hermes has always been kind to me, and your father, Hephaestus, has often visited. He's a good person. Leo wasn't sure what to make of her faraway tone. She almost sounded like she was pondering his, pondering his worth, not his dad's. She reached out and closed his mouth. He hadn't realized it was hanging open. 
Now, Calypso said, how can I help? Oh, he stared down at his project, but when he spoke, he blurted out an idea that had been forming ever since Calypso made his new clothes. You know that flame-proof cloth? You think you can make me a little bag of that fabric? He described the dimensions. Calypso waved her hand impatiently. That'll only take minutes. Will it help you on your quest? Yeah, it might save a life. And, uh, could you chip off a little piece of crystal from your cave? I don't need much. She frowned. That's an odd request. Humor me. All right, consider it done. I'll make the fireproof pouch tonight at the loom when I've cleaned up. But what can I do now, while my hands are dirty? She held up her callous, grimy fingers. Leo couldn't help thinking there was nothing harder than a girl who didn't mind getting her hands dirty. But of course, that was just a general comment. It didn't apply to Calypso. Obviously. Well, he said, you could twist some more bronze coils, but that's kind of specialized. She pushed in next to him on the bench and began to work, her hands braiding the bronze wiring faster than he could have. Just like weaving, she said. This isn't so hard. Huh, Leo said. Well, if you ever get off this island and want a job, let me know. You're not a total klutz. She smirked. A job, eh? Making things in your forge? Nah, we could start our own shop, Leo said, surprising himself. Starting a machine shop had always been one of his dreams, but he never told anyone about it. Leo and Calypso's garage. Auto repair and mechanical monsters. Fresh fruit and vegetables, Calypso offered. Cider and stew, Leo added. We could even provide entertainment. You could sing and I could, like randomly burst into flames. Calypso laughed, a clear, happy sound that made Leo's heart go kabump. See? He said. I'm funny. She managed to kill her smile. You are not funny. Now get back to work. Or no cider and stew. Yes, ma'am. He said. They worked in silence side by side for the rest of the afternoon. Two nights later, the guidance console was finished. Leo and Calypso sat on the beach near the spot where Leo had destroyed the dining table, and they ate a picnic dinner together. The full moon turned the waves to silver. Their campfire set orange sparks into the sky. Calypso wore a fresh white shirt and her jeans, which she'd apparently decided to live in. Behind them in the dunes, the supplies were carefully packed and ready to go. All we need now is a boat, Calypso said. Leo nodded. He tried not to linger on the word, we. Calypso had made it clear she wasn't going. I can start chopping wood into boards tomorrow, Leo said. Few days. We'll have enough for a small hut. You've made a ship before, Calypso remembered. Your Argo II. Leo nodded. He thought about all those months he'd spent creating the Argo II. Somehow, making a boat to sail from Ojigia seemed like a more daunting task. So how long until you sail? Calypso's tone was light, but she didn't meet his eyes. Uh, not sure. Another week? For some reason, saying that made Leo feel less agitated. When he had gotten here, he couldn't wait to leave. Now, he was glad he had a few more days. Weird. Calypso ran her fingers across the completed circuit board. This took so long to make. You can't rush perfection. A smile tugged at the edge of her mouth. Yes, but will it work? Getting out? No problem. Leo said, but to get back, I'll need Festus and- What? Leo blinked. Festus, my bronze dragon, once I figure out how to rebuild him, I'll- You told me about Festus, Calypso said, but what do you mean, get back? Leo said, Leo grinned nervously. (laughs) Well, to get back here, duh, (laughs) I'm sure I said that. You most definitely did not. I'm not gonna leave you here. 
After you help me and everything? Of course I'm coming back here. Once I rebuild Festus, he'll be able to handle an improved guidance system. There's this astrolabe that I, uh... He stopped. Deciding it was best not to mention that he had been built by one of Calypso's old flames. That I found in Bologna. Anyway, I think with the crystal that you gave me, you can't come back. Calypso insisted. Leo's heart went clunk. Because I'm not welcome? Because you can't. It's impossible. No man finds Ojigia twice. That is the rule. Leo rolled his eyes. Yeah, well, you might have noticed I'm not good at following rules. I'm coming back here with my dragon and we'll spring you. Take you wherever you want to go. It's only fair. Fair. Calypso's voice was barely audible. In the firelight, her eyes looked so sad, Leo couldn't stand it. Did she think he was lying to her just to make her feel better? He considered it a given that he would come back and free her from this island. How could he not? You really didn't think I could start Leo and Calypso's auto repair without Calypso, did you? He asked. I can't make cider and stew, and I sure can't sing. She stared at the sand. Well, anyway, Leo said, tomorrow I'll start in the lumber, and in a few days... He looked out over the water. Something was bobbing on the waves. Leo watched in disbelief as a large wooden raft floated in on the tide and slid to a stop on the beach. Leo was too dazed to move, but Calypso sprang to her feet. Hurry! She sprinted across the beach, grabbed some supply bags, and ran them out right to the raft. I don't know how long it will stay! Wait. Leo stood. His legs felt like they'd turned to rock. He had just convinced himself yet another week on Ojigia. Now, he didn't have time to finish dinner. That's the magic raft? Duh! Calypso yelled. It might work like it's supposed to and take you where you want to go, but we can't be sure. The island's magic is obviously unstable. You must rig up your guidance device to navigate. She snatched up the console and ran toward the raft, which got Leo moving. We helped her fasten to the raft and run wires to the small rudder in the back. The raft was already fitted with a mast, so Leo and Calypso hauled their sail aboard and started on the rigging. They worked side by side in perfect harmony. Even among the Hephaestus campers, Leo had never worked with anyone as intuitive as this immortal gardener girl. In no time, they had the sail in place and all the supplies aboard. Leo hit the buttons on the Archimedes sphere, muttered a prayer to his dad, Hephaestus, and the celestial bronze console humped to life. The rigging tightened, the sail turned, the raft began scraping against the sand, straining to reach the waves. Go, Calypso said. Leo turned. She was so close he couldn't stand it. She smelled like cinnamon and wood smoke, and he thought he'd never smell anything that good again. The raft finally got here, he said. Calypso snorted. Her eyes might have been red, but it was hard to tell in the moonlight. <laughs> you just noticed? But if it only shows up for guys you like, don't push your luck, Leo Valdez, she said. I still hate you. Okay. And you are not coming back here, she insisted. So don't give me any empty promises. How about a full promise, he said. Because I'm definitely... She grabbed his face and pulled him into a kiss, which effectively shut him up. For all his joking and flirting, Leo had never kissed a girl before. Well, sisterly pecks on the cheek from Piper, but that didn't count. This was a real full contact kiss. If Leo had had gears and wires in his brain, they would have short-circuited. Calypso pushed him away. That didn't happen. Okay. His voice sounded an octa octave higher than usual. Get out of here. Okay. She turned, wiping her eyes furiously and stormed up the beach, the breeze tousling her hair. 
Leah wanted to call, call to her, but the sail caught the full force of the wind and the raft cleared the beach. He struggled to align the guidance console, but by the time Leo looked back, the island of Ajigia was a dark line in the distance, their campfire pulsing like a tiny orange heart. His lips still tingled from the kiss. That didn't happen, he told himself. I can't be in love with an immortal girl. She definitely can't be in love with me. Not possible. As his raft skimmed over the water, taking him back to the mortal world, he understood a line from the prophecy better. An oath to keep with a final breath. He understood how very dangerous oaths could be. But Leo didn't care. I'm coming back for you, Calypso, he said to the night wind. I swear it on the river sticks. And that's the end of chapter 52. Wow, what a, what a, what a, what, a, what, a, what such a perfect story to come and end. Or not an end, but to be continued. I think that it was just so... In the beginning, it's just so funny to see their relationship. They're so bitter with each other. And then you can see the true enemies to lovers trope really develop when they start, when, you know, at the end, as you just saw right now. Calypso clearly, with double quotes, clearly hates Leo. We'll all assume that. But I think I have a lot of faith in Leo as of right now. I think that he will be able to get Calypso out of there because Leo... You know, Leo has it within him. He's able, he's going to be able to do it. I have faith in him. So, yeah. And I, I think that this is really important for Leo because I think that we've seen how he is with everybody else. He always feels like the seventh wheel. He always feels like maybe nobody's there out for him. Maybe nobody's out there for him. Maybe he's, maybe he doesn't deserve anybody. But I think that this entire segment, these last few episodes proved him wrong and I think that he's definitely, he he definitely won't be feeling like that seventh wheel anymore. I think definitely once he gets Calypso out, I think, I think we'll have a perfect uh, harmony of all the couples. So, yeah, we are actually not going to take a break quite just yet. We are going to read chapter 53 and then go for our break. And now chapter 53, we're going to start with Annabeth. So now we're going to see how Annabeth and Percy are doing in Tartarus and see how that holds up. So, chapter 53, Annabeth. Annabeth had never been scared of the dark, but normally the dark wasn't 40 feet tall. It didn't have black wings, a whip made out of stars, and a shadowy chariot pulled by vampire horses. Nyx was almost too much to take in. Looming over the chasm, she was a churning figure of ash and smoke, as big as the Athena Parthenos statue, but very much alive. Her dress was void black, mixed with the colors of a space nebula, as if galaxies were being born in her bodice. Her face was hard to see except for the pinpoints of her eyes, which shone like quasars. When her wings beat, waves of darkness rolled over the cliffs, making Annabeth feel heavy and sleepy, her eyesight dim. The goddess's chariot was made of the same material as Nico D'Angelo's sword, Stygian iron, and pulled by two massive horses, all black except for their pointed silver fangs. The beast's leg floated in the abyss, turning from solid to smoke as they moved. The horses snarled and bared their fangs at Annabeth. The goddess lashed her whip at thin streaks of stars like diamond barbs, and the horses reared back. No shade, the goddess said. Down, Shadow. These little prizes are not for you. Percy eyed the horses as they nickered. He was still shrouded in death mist, so... He looked like an out-of-focus corpse, which broke Annabeth's heart every time she saw him. 
It almost must not have been very good, very good camouflage, since Nyx could obviously see them. Ambeth couldn't read the expression on Percy's ghoulish face very well. Apparently, he didn't like it, whatever the horses were saying. Uh, so, you won't let them eat us? He asked the goddess. They really want to eat us. Nyx's quasar eyes burned. Of course not. I would not let my horses eat you any more than I would let Achilles kill you. Such fine prizes. I will kill myself. Annabeth didn't feel particularly witty or courageous, but her instincts told her to take the initiative, or this would be a very short conversation. Oh, don't kill yourself, she cried. We're not that scary. The goddess lowered her whip. What? No, I didn't mean... Well, I'd hope not. Annabeth looked at Percy and forced a laugh. (laughs) We wouldn't want to scare her, would we? (laughs) Percy said weakly. No, we wouldn't. The vampire horses looked confused. They reared and snorted and knocked their dark heads together. Nyx pulled back on the reins. Do you know who I am? She demanded. Well, you're knight, I suppose, she said Annabeth. I mean, I can't tell because you're dark and everything, though the brochure didn't say much about you. Nyx's eyes winked out for a moment. What brochure? Annabeth patted her pockets. We had one, didn't we? Percy licked his lips. Uh Uh-huh. He was still watching the horse, his hand tied on his sword hilt, but he was smart enough to follow Annabeth's lead. Now she just had to hope she wasn't making things worse. Though honestly, she didn't see how things could be worse. Anyway, she said, I guess the brochure didn't say much because you weren't spotlighted on the tour. We got to see the river Phlegathon, the Cockatus, the Arai, the Poison Glade of Aklis, even some random titans and giants, but Nyx? No, you weren't really featured. Featured? Spotlighted? Yeah, Percy said, warming up to the idea. We came down here for the Tartarus tour. Like, exotic destinations, you know. The underworld is overdone. Mount Olympus is a tourist trap. Gods, totally, Annabeth agreed. So we booked the Tartarus excursion, but no one even mentioned we'd run into Nyx. Huh. Oh well. Guess they didn't think you were important. Not important? Nyx cracked her whip. Her horses bucked and snapped their silvery fangs. Waves of darkness rolled out of the chasm, turning Annabeth's insides to jelly. But she couldn't show her fear. She pushed down Percy's sword arm, forcing him to lower his weapon. This was a goddess beyond anything they'd have ever faced. Nyx was older than any Olympian or Titan or Giant, older even than Gaia. She couldn't be defeated by two demigods. At least not two demigods using force. Ameth made herself look at the god- goddess's massive dark face. Well, how many other demigods have come to see you on the tour? She asked innocently. Nyx's hand went slack on the reins. None. Not one. This is unacceptable. Ameth shrugged. Maybe it's because you haven't really done anything to get in the news. I mean, I can understand Tartarus being important. This whole day is named after him. Or maybe if we could make day... Oh, yeah. Percy chimed in. Day? She would be impressive. I totally want to meet her. Maybe get her autograph. Day? Nick gripped the rail of her black chariot. The whole vehicle shuddered. You mean Hemera? She is my daughter. Night is much more powerful than day. Eh, said Annabeth. I like the Arai. Or even Akla's better. They are my children as well. Percy stifled a yawn. Oh, got a lot of children, huh? I am the mother of all terrors, Nyx cried. The fates themselves. Hegate. Old age, pain, sleep, death, and all of the curses. 
behold how newsworthy I am. And that's the end of chapter 53. So this is going to, this is definitely, although it was very short, we can, I think this is definitely going to be a very interesting process to see because, I mean, the facts are there. You, uh, if you're going, we have two demigods who are obviously not feeling the best <laughs> at, at this, at this moment. So I, uh, their chances against the goddess may s- stand slim when it comes to sword fighting and in combat, but hopefully with Annabeth and Percy, they're able to trick the goddess into doing something that potentially could remove their worry of her and be able to travel through the dark mist once again the death mist once again so we're going to come back after the break and we are going to finish out with chapters 54 and 55 and the q a session and see how it goes from there so see you then another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back from the break. And now we're going to read chapter 54, Annabeth. Nyx lashed her whip again. The darkness congealed around her. On either side, an army of shadows appeared. More dark-winged awry, which Annabeth was not thrilled to see. A withered man who must have been Geras, the old god of old age, and a younger woman in the black toga, her eyes gleaming in her smile like a serial killer's. No doubt Eris, the goddess of strife. More kept appearing, dozens of demons and minor gods, each one the spawn of night. Annabeth wanted to run. She was facing a broad of horrors that could snap anyone's sanity. But if she ran, she would die. Next year, Percy's breathing turned shallow. Even though his misty ghoul disguise, Annabeth could tell he was on the verge of panic. He had, she had to stand her ground for both of them. I am a daughter of Athena, she thought. I control my own mind. She imagined a mental frame around what she was saying. She told herself it was just a movie, a scary movie, sure, but it could not hurt her. She was in control. Yeah, not bad, she admitted. I guess we could get one picture for the scrapbook, but I don't know. You guys are so dark. Even if I used a flash, I'm not sure it would come out. Yeah, Percy managed. You guys aren't photogenic. You miserable tourists, Nix hissed. How dare you not tremble before me? How dare you not whimper and beg for my autograph and a picture for your scrapbook? You want newsworthy? My son Hypnos once put Zeus to sleep. When Zeus pursued him across the earth, bent on vengeance, Hypnos hid in my palace for safety, and Zeus did not follow. Even the king of Olympus fears me. Uh Uh-huh. Amba turned to Percy. Well, it's getting late. We should probably get lunch at one of those restaurants the tour guide recommended. Then we can find the doors of death. 
<laughs> Nix cried in triumph. Her broad of shadows stirred and echoed. <laughs> you wish to see the doors of death? Nix asked. They lie at the very heart of Tartarus. Mortals such as you could never reach them, except through the halls of my palace, the Mansion of Night. She gestured behind her, floating in the abyss. Maybe 300 feet below was a doorway of black marble, leading into some sort of larger room. Annabeth's heart pounded so strongly she felt it in her toes. That was the way forward. It was so far down, an impossible jump. If they missed, they would fall into chaos and be scattered into nothingness. A final death with no do-over. Even if they could make the jump, the goddess of night and her most fearsome children stood in their way. With a jolt, Annabeth realized what needed to happen. Like everything she'd ever done, it was a long shot. In a way that calmed her down. A crazy idea in the face of death? Okay, her body seemed to say, relaxing. This is familiar territory. She managed a bored sigh. <sighs> I suppose we could do with one picture, but a group shot won't work, Nix. How about one of you with your favorite child? Which one is that? The bro rustled. Dozens of horrible glowing eyes turned toward Nix. The goddess shifted uncomfortably as if her chariot were heating up under her feet. Her shadow horses huffed and pawed at the void. My favorite child? She asked. All my children are terrifying. Percy snorted. <laughs> Seriously? I've met the fates. I met Thanatos. They weren't so scary. You gotta have somebody in this crowd who's worse than that. The darkest, Annabeth said. The most like you. I am the darkest, hissed Eris. Wars and strife, I've called all manner of death. I am darker still, snarled Garrus. I dim the light eyes and addle the brain every mortal fears old age. Yeah, yeah, Annabeth said, trying to ignore her chattering teeth. I'm not seeing enough dark. I mean, you're the children of night. Show me dark. The horde of Arai wailed, flapping their leathery wings and stirring up clouds of blackness. Garrus spread his withered hands and dimmed the entire abyss. Eris breathed a shadowy spray of buckshot across the void. I am the darkest, hissed one of the demons. No, I! No, behold my darkness! If a thousand giant octopuses had squared out ink at the same time at the bottom of the deepest, most sunless ocean, ocean trench, it could not have been blacker. Annabeth might as well have been blind. She gripped Percy's hand and steeled her nerves. Wait! Nyx called, suddenly panicked. I can't see anything. Yes, shouted one of her children proudly. I did that. No, I did. Fool, it was me. Dozens of voices argued in the darkness. The horses whinnied in alarm. Stop it, Nix yelled. Whose foot is that? Eris is hitting me, cried someone. Mother, tell her to stop hitting me. I did not, yelled Eris. Ouch! The sounds of scuffling got louder. If possible, the darkness became even deeper. Annabeth's eyes dilated so much they felt like they were being pulled out of their sockets. She squeezed Percy's hand. Ready? For what? After a pause, he grunted unhappily. Poseidon's underpants, you can't be serious. Somebody give me light! Nick screamed. Gah! I can't believe I just said that! It's a trick! Eris yelled. The demigods are escaping! I've got them! Screamed Renai. No, that's my neck! Garrus gagged. Jump! Annabeth told Percy. They leaped into the darkness, aiming for the doorway far, far below. And that's the end of chapter 54. Wow, we definitely can see Annabeth and Percy both using the 
cleverest of moves and did not even need to move an inch. You can clearly see how the tension of the siblings, all all of them trying to be the favorite child and who, wanting to find out who was Nix's favorite child was indeed the very thing that brought them their downfall. So as they were fighting each other, Annabeth and Percy got to finally escape to a doorway, potentially Knight's Mansion. We'll see how this help, how venturing throughout this mansion will help them get to the doorways of death. As we now read chapter 55, Annabeth. After their fall into Tartarus, jumping 300 feet to the mansion of night should have felt quick. Instead, Annabeth's heart seemed to slow down. Between the beach, she had ample time to write her own obituary. Annabeth Chase died, age 17. Ba-boom. Assuming her birthday, July 12th, had passed while she was in Tartarus, but honestly, she had no idea. Ba-boom. Died of massive injuries while leaping like an idiot into the abyss of chaos and splattering on the entire hall floor of Nix's mansion. Ba-boom. Survived by her father, stepmother, and two stepbrothers who barely knew her. Ba-boom. In lieu of flowers, please send donations to Camp Half-Blood, assuming Gaia hasn't already destroyed it. Her feet hit solid floor. Pain shot up her legs, but she stumbled forward and broke into a run, hauling Percy after her. Above them in the dark, Nyx and her children scuffled and yelled, I've got them, my foot, stop it! Ambit kept running. She couldn't see anyway, so she closed her eyes. She used her other senses, listening for the echo of open spaces, feelings for cross breezes against her face, sniffing for any scent of danger, smoke, or poison, or the stench of demons. It wasn't the first time she'd plunged through darkness. She imagined she was back in the tunnels under Rome, searching out the Athena Parthenos. In retrospect, her journey to Arachne's cavern seemed like a trip to Disneyland. The squabbling sounds of Nyx's children got farther away. That was good. Percy was still running at her side, holding her hand. Also good. In the distance ahead of them, Annabeth began to hear a throbbing sound, like her own heartbeat echoing back, amplified so powerfully the floor vibrated underfoot. The sound filled her with dread, so she figured it must be the right way to go. She ran toward it. As the beat got louder, she smelled smoke and heard the flickering of torches on either side. She guessed there would be light, but a crawling sensation across her neck warned her it would be a mistake to lo- open her eyes. Don't look, she told Percy. Wasn't planning on it, he said. You can feel that, right? We're still in the mansion of night. I do not want to see it. Smart boy, Annabeth thought. She used to tease Percy for being dumb, but in truth, his instincts were usually right on target. Whatever horrors lay in the mansion of night, they weren't meant for mortal eyes. Seeing them would be worse than staring at the face of Medusa. Better to run in darkness. The throbbing got louder still, sending vibrations straight up Annabeth's spine. It felt like someone was knocking on the bottom of the world, demanding to be let in. She sensed the walls opening up on either side of them. The air smelled fresher, or at least not quite as sulfurous. There was another sound, too closer than the deep pulsing, the sound of flowing water. Annabeth's heart raced. She knew the exit was close. If they could make it out of the mansion of night, maybe they could leave the dark broad of demons behind. She began to run faster, which would have meant her death if Percy hadn't stopped her. And that's the end of chapter 55. This was definitely a very, very fascinating chapter. To, to think that, you know... Potentially, we'll see what what they're going to do if, you know, now that they kept running and now they've stopped, is this now going to turn into a maze? Are they now, is this now another version of the labyrinth, but now 
in the in Tartarus is the night mansion is the night mansion another version of labyrinth we'll have to see it's going to be very fascinating to see how the rest of this is going to go because you know they don't want to open their eyes so they're going to have to go paste off of this beat or pure instincts so that they're able to get to the right place which will be very fascinating to see in the next episode we shall read that i hope you guys enjoyed that uh episode and now we are going to move on to the q a session I'll now move on to the shoutouts. Once again, if I miss your question or if I miss your name, do please let me know in the comments and I'll try my best to get to it next time. Um, yeah, so let's move on to the shoutouts. Uh, something, Ocean Tide, and Space Boy G8. Thank you guys. Moving on to the questions. If you had to choose your godly parent from one of the minor gods, who would it be? Probably Hypnos. Uh, I just love sleep. So I think be, uh, having the god of sleep as my parent would be great. Um, do you know Hindi or not? And what languages do you speak? Uh, I don't. And the languages I speak is English. And I learned a little bit of Spanish. But I wouldn't say I'm fluent in it. Um, if you had a quest from one of the books, uh, which, which, which one would you do? I would probably do the one where uh, we had, where I believe it was in the Sea of Monsters, where you had to, where we had to return or get the Golden Fleece because Talia's tree was dying, so that meant the borders of Camp Half Blood were also dying. So Percy had to go and retrieve the Golden Fleece to re- revive it and ultimately bring Talia back to life as well. So I think that would have been a quest that I would have enjoyed done, doing, or not enjoyed, but I would have found the most interesting uh do you think about who coach hedge likes more from the seven plus nico i would probably say my guess would probably be leo uh reason being i think i don't know i think i feel like uh their personalities are very are much similar to each other than compared to anyone else so i think that Leo's personality and Coach Edge's personality matches up a bit more, so I think that would be a really good reason as to why Coach likes Leo a bit more. Um, yeah, but let me know what you guys think. Uh, let me know uh, what you guys think about um, who Coach Hedge's favorite person is. It could be Nico, could be Piper, could be Hazel, could be Annabeth, could be Jason, could be Percy, could be Nico, could be anybody, so, or Frank. we can't forget frank um so let me know who you guys think next question is favorite animal um um i would probably have to say hmm i'd probably have to say i like owls owls are pretty nice um yeah i like owls Ooh. I also like kangaroos. Kangaroos are pretty, pretty nice. Pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, next question is, how many books in the series have you read? Um, I'm not sure. I actually, I read the books with you guys. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't do too many spoilers or I don't read ahead. So I would estimate this is, uh, nine books. I think since we're on season nine, so I'd assume nine books so far yeah uh this is a question by josie uh next question is in a fight with leo versus jason who do you think would win uh i think it would be pretty close because you know obviously leo's got his fire powers and then jason's 
got and then Leo's also got his handy tool belt and then Jason's also got his uh lightning powers with his gold sword it'd be very tough but I think ultimately Jason would win just because of his knowledge and combat skills uh, I think Leo would do pretty good in terms of defending himself with fire, but I think in terms of combat, Jason is a is is more stronger than Leo than compared to that. I think he's more experienced. Um, I was thinking of making my own podcast. Uh, do you uh, make your own money? Uh, so with a podcast, it's uh, there's a lot of ways. Um, there there are uh, there are a lot of ways to make money. It's up to you on how you want to decide that and where you start your podcast um i started my podcast with anchor and they gave me the option to have ads so that is one way that i am earning money from it and so yeah so it just depends on where you start your podcast from but if any of you guys are interested in starting a podcast anchor is probably uh or sorry spotify by podcasters um is probably one of the is 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 what i'm using right now and i do enjoy using it i think it's very very um organized and it's very clear on you know i can add whatever i want and then i can record whenever i want everything like that so yeah uh next question is do you use a kindle or a physical book i yeah i use a ebook i i purchase them online and then i read them online which is probably why you guys don't see her hear me flipping the pages um sometimes flipping those pages might be um while I'm reading or something, it might be uh, disrupting my flow, or maybe while you guys are hearing, it might disrupt that. So I use an ebook instead. Uh, if two of the semi demi seven demigods were trying to protect you, and five of the seven were trying to kill you, who would you pick to protect you? Um, it would either be, I would definitely would like to have. I think I would like uh, Frank by my side because of his uh, shape shifting. Then potentially, I would go for. I think I would potentially go for Piper because of her ability to charm speak. I think that's definitely. I think, yeah, I would go with Piper and Frank. They're both of them are pretty strong, in my opinion. Um, next question is favorite fruit. I like bananas. Bananas are pretty cool. Um. What is your YouTube channel? I don't have one. So, yeah, maybe in the future. But right now, I don't have one. Uh, what do you think Leo's going to do with the medal that he found? Uh, well, I if uh, b- before this chapter, I actually, I think I predicted, I was going to predict that he's uh, he was going to make the boat with the bronze, with the medal that he found, the celestial bronze. But as we found out in the chapter, he used it as the console, the navigation console. But yeah, I would have predicted that he would have used it for the boat to make it more sturdy or something or to like, uh, like, so he's able to get out of OGGS safely. But um, yeah, that concludes the, uh, the end of our Q&A sessions. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, I decided to do four chapters because it seemed that some of these chapters were pretty short. So I wanted to compile four of them together. Um, hopefully that also makes up for this late upload time. So apologize for that. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And if you guys want to continue asking me questions on the Q&A session, go for it. Um, Once again, I do also want to give a disclaimer that sometimes I may not answer them because I feel a bit uncomfortable asking them, answering them at the moment. But no worries that the, the fault is not on you. You're free to ask, but 
I, I just wanted to give that disclaimer just so I don't want to see any of you guys hurt or have your feelings hurt. So yeah, I wanted to let you guys know of that. So thank you guys for listening to this episode. I hope you guys had a, as much of a great time as I did. And until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom. <laughs>